You're listening to a teaching from Vintage Church LA. This week we're hearing from lead pastor Gare Jones. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. It's on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Lizzie and I felt that way when we first arrived here in 2011 to start Vince's Church. We moved into an apartment just around the corner, three kids shoehorned into one bedroom. Well, Sam actually was shoehorned, he's only two, so we shoehorned him into his own bedroom, otherwise known as a closet. And, but we felt, God, you've got to do something. We've come here but we only knew two people, and we didn't know what he was going to do, but we were here by obedience. A week or so into moving here, I went on a trip to London, left my wife and kids uh, in a, a new city, and, but went to London to visit kind of our spiritual home. And there was a conference in the worship time there. My heart was being poured out, Lord, what are you doing? Why have we moved and given up everything to move to L.A.? We don't know what. And he gave me this image in my head whilst I was worshipping of an aerial view of Los Angeles. And it was a 3D aerial view. So you could see the height of the buildings and you could see the whole of the city. And I must have just watched Godzilla in the last few weeks because unlike Godzilla walking through the streets and leaving a trail of destruction, I saw this huge Jesus walking through the streets of LA, and instead of leaving a trail of destruction, wherever he went, he left a trail of renewal and joy and life and healing. It felt like Jesus was walking the streets of LA. Wherever he was walking, he brought renewal, redemption, healing, joy, peace into the brokenness and the pain. It felt like God was giving me a heart again, a vision again, that we were joining in with other Christians in the city to be the body of Christ for the sake of the city, to see darkness turn to light, pain to comfort, grieving to joy, broken marriages and family systems to repentance and forgiveness and togetherness and people knowing Jesus maybe for the first time or coming back to him. All of these things we got excited about And that started in 2011 with the story of Vintage Church. But as this passage reminds us in John chapter 15, it's not always fruitfulness. There's also seasons of pruning that we hoped it would just be up and to the right. And maybe you thought your life, Jesus, up and to the right every single time. But maybe you know as I, there are seasons of pruning that God allows in our life. Certainly the last few years of COVID, political tension and racial injustice and divisions in the church and 
many, many other things brought a season of pruning. Certainly brought a season of pruning to me. As I saw, and I felt personally, things which I didn't think were dead, but God was cutting off. And things I thought were really fruitful and he was pruning back. It was painful. And at the time, you don't think he's pruning for fruitfulness. You just get angry at God and go, why are you doing this? But similarly as a church, we were pruned in some ways. Many of our friends kind of felt it was time to leave the city. And now we have so many places to stay in Nashville and Austin. Um, <laughs> you know. Sorry, let me just turn some do not disturb. But we, we saw loved ones go, and I get it, I understand. And, but we felt pruned as a community. But over the last few months, we've been feeling individually and also corporately as a staff, as a board, as a team of pastors, that we start to see the end goal of pruning in our congregation, in our community, in our church family here. That when starting to see the first fruits of spring and the harvest coming. We're starting to see that God is actually entering, into a, entering our community into a new season, not of pruning, but of renewal. That we're seeing the beautiful effects of that hard season where new life is beginning. New abundance, new fruitfulness. Our ministry is overflowing. Our kids and families are running out of space. We're looking at church planting. We've got people going, can we church plant in the South Bay? Can we church plant over here? We don't want to bring vintage down to where we are. There just seems to be a lot going on. That God's going, oh my word, this is so different to the season of pruning. It's, something is on. Something is up. God is doing something. And so we've titled kind of this next season, this next sermon series, this next teaching series, really looking at what God is doing. We're calling it a time of renewal. That God is renewing us for this cultural moment, this moment in history of our city. And over the next six weeks, I want to invite us on a journey when we're looking at two things together. The first is how God has pruned us, renewed us for the sake of the city. That on Sundays, the this teaching series is called Renewing the Church for the Renewal of L.A., like God has renewed us in some ways. He's cut off some things that needed to go before COVID. And he pruned some things that we may be even more fruitful. And so we're looking at what it means to be the church of Jesus Christ in this cultural moment. Things are different than they used to be. And how can we be faithful as a church for this city, for this time? Now, Parallel to that, we're doing also something else, which is also a sign of renewal. That we sense that fruitfulness and more fruitfulness is coming, that we have a big job to do in our city. So on Sundays, we're looking at who we are as a church, and midweek, we're going to invite you into a journey where we're renewing our capacity, increasing our capacity for the renewal of LA. That we feel that we're full and we have lots of space, and we'll be looking at what it means to expand that more people can come, that more people can discover the good news of Jesus, that we can go out in increased measure. So we'll come on to that in a minute. But what I want to do just now is 
give you an overview of what we feel God is calling us to be as a community as he's renewing us for the renewal of LA. As you know, because of COVID, things are different now than they used to be. It wasn't so much that something new happened during the COVID time, but it certainly accelerated what was already going on. Secularism, rampant individualism, consumerism, disappointed with church, church scandals, political divisions, polarizations, racial injustice. These things were always there, but in many ways they accelerated during COVID. And we find ourselves rapidly further down each of these areas. I mean, we knew that these were here, that we're no longer living in Christendom. We're no longer living in a, a sensitive time for Christians. That we're living in, in many ways, a a time when there's hostility, when there's disillusionment, when there's a rejection. What does it mean for us to be a church in that context? These dynamics we all know are here in the city. I remember when we first moved in 2011 to LA, and you know this story if you've been around here a lot, but it was a defining moment for me in what it meant to be a follower of Jesus in our city. I met this guy and he said, hey, I'm doing a launch event at at a bar in Beverly Hills. Why don't you come along? And so I met him. I said, yeah, he gave me the time. So I went went to the bar and couldn't find him. But I just thought, okay, I'll just go in. And went to the bar, got a drink and started to talk to these three people at this cocktail table. And we had the most amazing conversation. I was brand new in LA. And I I met three people, all who were writing scripts. This was amazing. And they had, it's like, wow. Funny, I just, the three people all had scripts and it was amazing. They told me about their scripts and told me about their desires in the industry, but it was a great conversation. I loved talking to them. And, but after a while, after about 30, 40 minutes, the inevitable happened. And they asked me the question I dread, which is, so Gare, what are you doing in LA? Now I knew immediately, I, needed, I knew, I knew. I just said, look, you, you don't want to know. And he said, no, no, Gare, you know, this is LA, bro, you're safe here. <laughs> I, went, I, I don't know. So after a bit more coaching, I said, well, I'm actually here, I'm a pastor. I've actually come to start a new church. <laughs> the guy on my left immediately took up his drink and left the table. The guy opposite me looked at me, picked up his drink and went, but you're such a nice guy. And then left the table. And then the person on my right, she just filled up with tears and looked like she was ashamed or guilty or was about to be judged and she looked panicked and she said, excuse me, and, and, and left the table. And all alone in a bar in Beverly Hills, I realized this is the cultural moment that we're facing. This is the cultural moment that you experience. And the church is having to navigate How do we be the church of Jesus Christ in this new cultural moment? Tim Keller in his article on the decline and renewal of the American church says, there is no more urgent question for American Christians than this. What is wrong with the American church and how can its witness and ministry be renewed? And I think during COVID, God was pruning us as a community in order to renew us to be his church for this moment. To be Jesus 
faithfully in our city, but in a way that can connect with what's going on in our city. So the next five, six weeks, we'll be looking at this together. What God is calling us to be, how he's renewing us as a church. Now, I'm not very good, I'm going to give an overview, I'm not very good with snappy uh, sermon titles, teaching titles. Um, I know they're supposed to be pithy and engaging, and, and so I've got ones that are pithy and engaging, and then the ones I like. And so you can vote which one you like, how's that? Okay, so next week we'll be looking at renewing community. It sounds a bit boring, does it? I prefer a community of diverse, authentic, loving, real, tight-knit friendships in a culture of individualism, autonomy, division, and loneliness. Which one do you like the most? That one. Thought so. We're living in a crisis of community, a crisis of friendship. The cultural forces of individualism, careerism, digital living, competition, transience, ideological and political divisions mean that we're living more fragmented than ever before, that we have fewer friendships than ever before, certainly fewer deep friendships. It's said right now that over 40% of Americans have either zero or one confidant who they can really be honest with, which shows the rampant growth in the therapeutic service. And I'm all for therapists. I keep many in business. But we ache, don't we, to belong. We ache to be known. And yet we lack the apparatus in our culture to connect deeply. We lack the relational skills of grace and forgiveness and commitment and loyalty and sacrifice and otherliness which bond people together. And what does it look like for us to be a community of diversity, a community of multi-generation that we can live as Christians in this city, in the city but not of the city? That we can be here for each other, that we can raise our children here together, that we can be a close-knit family that maintains our passion for Jesus and our love for those in our city. So we'll be looking together at what it means for God to renew us, not as a congregation, not as just you come here lonely and it's a good, a good kind of religious vending machine of goods and services on a Sunday, but you belong, that you're part of a family, that you're known, and that we journey together. God is renewing his community. Secondly, God is renewing evangelism. Now, I really don't like that phrase. So my preferred one is this. A community helping others explore or re-explore Jesus with love, respect, listening, reason, empathy, friendship, and thoughtfulness. And without shame, arrogance, simplistic answers, agenda, pride, judgment, and pressure. I much prefer that one. We find ourselves in a critical moment in America's history, spiritual history. America is facing its first post-Christian, deeply secular culture in its young life. And we are at the epicenter of that. Now, the American church is well-trained over the years. It's been well-trained on how to revive dormant or lapsed followers of Jesus. But it's not well-trained on how to love and help and come alongside the secular, the skeptical, 
those who feel that their science blocks any faith, those who are hurt and wounded, those who are running away. In other words, the majority of our city. We keep on moving Christians from church to church. Most of our church plants and our new starting new churches, other Christians from other churches. But God's got a heart for those who don't know him. And he's calling people to learn again what it means to love those who don't know Jesus, who are far away from Jesus, with respect, with dignity, with love, without attacking them, pushing them, pressurizing, judging, or shaming them. This is actually the context I grew up in. I grew up in the north of England, which is very atheistic. I didn't know any Christians growing up. So this feels very normal to me. I lived in the south for a season. It felt very unnormal to me. But when I where I grew up, all my friends were non-Christians, and I, it was very hard to share my faith or to encourage others to explore Jesus. There was hostility. People thought I was stupid to believe in Jesus. And fundamentally, the ways that we were taught growing up to tell others about Jesus were devastatingly embarrassing and ineffective. It was brutal. And so we wanted nothing to do with it. A, I'd lose all my friends and my reputation and my own sense of personhood. I remember taking a year out before college and just helping on missions and we went to Africa, but part of it was helping a church in Glasgow, a new church there, and they said, we want to bring the message of Jesus to those who don't know Jesus. And their way of doing that was going down to the street in the shopping area and like, preaching. I thought, oh, how embarrassing. But it's kind of like going to Third Street Prom and being one of those people, right? And so they said, come on, Gare, you love to talk a lot. And so we went down and they said, look, who's going to speak? And we'll kind of just hope a crowd gathers. I thought, oh gosh, who's going to do that? And they went, Gare, you do it. And it was brutal. I just thought, this is so ineffective. But anyway, I tried and everyone looked at me and walked away. They thought I was ridiculous, and um, I thought they were going to start throwing stuff at me. I was trying my best, but it was terrible. But I was with a guy, part of the church there, who was a new Christian. He was an amazingly raw guy called um, Barry. And Barry just saw how devastatingly bad I was at this, and no one was watching. So Barry thought he'd do something about it. So he went over to a trash can uh, in the public street there, took off the lid and took out this black bag, which was full of trash, and he tied a knot in the top, and then went back to the middle where I was. He went, go away. And so he stood in the middle of the street and just threw the bag in the air, and then caught it. I thought, what is he doing? He threw it again in the air, and he caught it. And he kept throwing in the air. And I had no idea what Barry was doing. And then suddenly people were starting to stop. What is this guy doing? And then he did it again. And then eventually like 20, and then 30, then kept it. And then about 40 people had gathered around Barry watching him do this trash throw. And then he threw it in the air. And then his last one, as he threw it in the air, he looked at me and went, Gare, now, now, Gare, come. And then I ran into the middle and I preached and dispersed the crowd as quickly as Barry had gathered it. And at the end of that moment, I thought, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And I think there is a better way. We all have friends who are far from God. We all have friends who have been hurt by the church, disillusioned with doctrine. 
And they're not just going to come easily to a church context and go, yeah, great, I believe. They're so far, we need to be able to communicate with them and love them where they're at. And I think God is renewing us as a community to know how it and what it looks like to come alongside people far from God, to bring them the good news. Let them explore as opposed to preach to them. Let them taste and see that the Lord is good and not just ramming something down their throat. Loving and being empathizing with where they're at, helping them. It used to be that we would persuade people that Jesus is true and then good and beautiful. I think we need to revisit that order and go, look how Jesus is beautiful and how he's good and he's also true. God is renewing how we bring Jesus to our city in a way that connects, in a way that honors people. Next, renewing belief. Again, what does that mean? Boring. My better title is this. A community faithful to humble, thoughtful. Next slide. A community faithful. Next slide. Nope. Oh, there you go. A community faithful to humble, thoughtful, reasoned, mysterious, gracious, complex orthodoxy in a culture of self-truth, secularism, and deconstruction. In this cultural moment, everything is tempting people to abandon the teachings of Jesus, to dilute the teachings of Jesus, to walk away from him. Because in many ways, I empathize with an overly dogmatic, black and white, binary, simplistic faith that people have been brought up in. That I left the church for many years because I wasn't allowed to bring my questions. I was given this binary, binary decision of believe this about Genesis 1 or you're not a Christian. But hang on, nope, how dare you doubt. You know, all this kind of, people are going, it's got to be more complex than that. It's got to be more nuanced than that. And what I found is we don't have to abandon orthodoxy to embrace the complexity. We don't have to abandon the teaching of Jesus to discover a doctrine, a faith that is loving and kind and humble and generous and emphasizes the majors and just kind of has fun disagreeing conversations around the secondary stuff. The teachings of Jesus remain so powerful, so beautiful, that they make sense of our world, they make sense of reality. And yet, rightly we're going, but we've added kind of stuff to the category A stuff. I don't think Jesus meant to be category A. We deconstruct and take some things off, but not that we abandon everything, but what is left is the orthodox beauty of Jesus. And how do we invite people in and together strip off the stuff that maybe the church has added? And we're, but we're left with reconstructing and what's on display is the beautiful truth of Jesus. The next is renewing a spirit-filled church. I like that, but it could be a community living in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit without being weird, hyped, anti-intellectual or pushing people over. You know, I think so much of the church has often been afraid of the ministry of the Holy Spirit because it seemed to be manipulative or hyped, anti-intellectual, maybe abandoning the truth of God, the doctrine of God in the sense of pragmatics and experientialism or emotionalism. But that's, what we need, that's not what we see in the person of Jesus. 
We see Jesus doing the things that he invites us to do as the church of Jesus Christ. And there's no more important time for the church to be filled with the power of Jesus than now. Jesus said to his apostles, do not leave Jerusalem until you're filled with the power of the Spirit. John 15, remember, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we are to be a filled people, an empowered people, to be like Jesus, to do the things that Jesus did. I love the ministry of Jesus. When he healed people, when he did the powerful things, it never seemed weird. It was always loving. It was always humble. It was always kind of low-key. But low-key and humble doesn't mean powerless. We need to be a people overflowing, not with us, but with the power of God. In a culture that is post-truth and self-truth and living out the autonomous self, it's, we're not in a season where we can argue truth with people. We can point to the evidence of the resurrection. That is not the language that people connect with. I believe there's plausibility behind the historicity of Jesus, the historicity of his resurrection. I'm, I don't believe in blind faith, but reasonable faith. But I equally know that in a culture where truth is always up for debate and everyone seems to have their own stats to prove whatever they want, people need, in the old words, to taste and see that the Lord is good, not see statistics that the Lord is real. And the people of God is to be a tasting community. It's what Jesus did when he did miracles, but John called them signs and wonders. And let me be technical here. What do you think a wonder does? A wonder makes you wonder. <laughs> oh my word, what was that? And sometimes to break through in people's questions, you, we give them intellectual reasons to believe in the faith, but also that doesn't go the whole way. They need to have a breakthrough moment where they experience God and go, what was that? Oh, he's real. As a friend of mine who used to pray a lot and people, see people healed and people say, why do you um, pray for healing so much? He said, well, because well, it's not fun being sick. And out of love for people, we want to see them well. But he also said this. He said, have you noticed it's much easier to tell someone about Jesus after they've been healed than before? And that's the ministry of Jesus. So we need to be a spirit-filled community in this cultural moment. And finally, renewing formation. That's a terrible title because we don't know what it means. So here's the next slide. is a community not just believing in, but following and becoming like Jesus by following his lifestyle and his practices. So much of the church has been about belief, but not behavior. It's believe and go to heaven as opposed to become like Jesus and love the city like he loved us that we're living in a burnout culture where we're exhausted. We're going from pillar to post trying to live into the narrative of our city and we're not offering a life that people will go, that looks a better life. Whereas people looked at Jesus and said, you live in a way that I want to live. Come to me all you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. The kingdom of life is righteousness, joy and peace. There's been such a lack of fruitfulness of being like Jesus 
that in this cultural moment when we have an exhausted community, when we have people burnt out, where anxiety and depression is rife, they're looking for an alternative way of live, to live that actually provides for human flourishing. And guess what? That's what Jesus said. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. But that doesn't come through belief. It comes through practices following the way of Jesus, not just believing Jesus, that we as a community come together and learn the rhythms of grace, learn the rhythms of Sabbath and community, silence and solitude, celebration and service, that we're not just busying our calendar, but we're doing less to build our life around a structure of the things of Jesus that produces the life of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. God is taking us through a renewal season to be the church for this cultural moment. So join, that's the invitation of the next six weeks. Come and together let us press into this is who God is calling us to be. The church of Jesus Christ for this cultural moment. But there's a, a second rail of like a train track here. Um, the one is God's renewing our church to be the church of Jesus in this cultural moment. And the, the, but there's a second journey I want to invite you in, which is going to be mostly midweek. And that is renewing and expanding capacity for the renewal of LA. That going back to John 15, we are seeing the beginnings of a huge fruitfulness. And we believe in more. And God is saying, get ready. This building has been around since 1950 and it's been a great facility for people coming to know him and ministering the kingdom of God. And that's continuing through us. We merged with Trinity Church back in 2015 and we've seen God do so much. And post-COVID, we see the signs of fruitfulness. Our services are full. We've got an overflow outside. We've got people online. Our children's ministry spaces is full. Our Alpha course is like going, where can we need more rooms for breakouts, for Alpha, for marriage courses, for women's Bible study, for missions events. We've got all sorts of stuff. You're going, oh my word, God. It seems like you're going, get ready, more fruit's coming. And he's given us a building with much more capacity than we're currently using. And so we feel God is saying, now is the time to come together and expand your capacity. And so rather than me say much more, I want you to, to show a film which explains this second rail of this time of renewal that I want to invite you into. Let's watch this film. My first Sunday here, as soon as I walked in, I was like, okay, this like feels like a place that could be home. And as we walked out the front door, he said, what do you think? And I just went, Yep, I'm in. <laughs> All my roommates and I cried because we're like, we found our church on the first Sunday that we tried. I haven't stopped going since. Vintage's message coming in was, to me, it was powerful because it wasn't a message that made me feel like I wasn't Christian enough to be here. I felt very welcome. Uh, and I think, I think a lot of people feel that coming in no matter where they are in their faith. That's the magic source of vintage. They care so much about the people and their journey, and it's no longer stuffy, it's refreshing. It's no longer dark, 
it's light. That's the good news about the church. So here's the church in 1925. What's the first memory that you have of coming to the church, the old church? Well, I had, I was just, I just started a job in early 1960 as a nurse at Santa Monica Hospital. And I asked one of the nurses, um, did she know of a church nearby? And she said, I hear there's a wonderful church at 10th in California. Anyway, I attended, I loved it. There was so, so many wonderful things going on and I've never left. There was no reason to ever leave. And that was the beginning. 61 glorious years. Yeah. My name is Barry Smith and I've been here since uh, 1971. You know, the pews have gone. The color scheme is different. We were pink and blue. You have to remember back in uh, 68, early 70s, everybody wore suits, the women wore dresses, there was a lot of hats, a lot of wigs, just a lot of, a lot of stuff that really didn't make any difference. The most important thing that's changed is the spirit. Now the church is full, they're listening, they're taking notes during the sermon, they're having a good time, and they're growing visibly every Sunday. And so if you judge them not by what they wear and not how they look, but what's going on inside them, you're seeing transformation. And change is difficult, but you're seeing it happen all the time. Wow, they Are they the actual glass? I thought they were plastic. My name is Gare. I'm Lizzie. And we planted Vintage Church together way back in 2011. <laughs> he said, well, before I start looking into where God might have us, is there anywhere you definitely will rule out? And I said, there's only one place I will not go, and that is Los Angeles. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> In the midst of the hardship, there was clear evidence that God was with us. Mm. But there's just a lot of hard work, mm. you know, and a big change from comfortable suburbia in the South to three kids shoehorned into one bedroom yeah. and we are planning a church with nobody. Yeah. I could have missed the greatest adventure of my life if God had answered my human desires of a safe, comfortable suburban life for the kids. Because part of my fear of coming out of suburbia into a city was that my kids would never know Jesus personally. They'd never know his adventure and grace and love and sense of joy and fun that you can have by knowing Jesus and how that makes you complete as a person. And that was my tearful, on my knees moment with God before we came. It was like, I need you to come through for my kids. I will follow you, but you have to take care of them. And he did. We've prayed as a family for some pretty significant things and they've watched God answer it. And so they can say, I've seen God at work in my family life and I watched a church be built in a way that my parents couldn't have done alone.
vintage represents uh, the, ha the you know the most joyful time in my life. This church has been like deeply a part of my formation in becoming more like Jesus and being transformed. He always said, I have a crush on Bush. <laughs> so I was like, well, we better go there. <laughs> it was the best thing that actually happened to me anyway, up until that point. And it was a church that um, preached the full gospel. I said, there's something for everybody, socially and spiritually. There's something for everybody to be involved in this church. And people tolerate us in spite of our great age. So it's been... Um, it's just been a good overall experience. Gear asked everybody to close your eyes and he said, if you are ready to take that next step uh, towards Jesus, raise your hand. <clears throat> and I, I raised my hand. And, uh, so afterwards, I get emotional. <laughs> but I shared that with her, you know. And, uh, and so that's, that's, I feel so fortunate right now to have found this community. Uh, where it is about and really getting to know Jesus and, and to, to live in the, live in the uh, image of God. I feel like there has been a renewed sense of, I don't know, I mean, it's, it's the Holy Spirit for sure, but it's this sense of like, there's something going on and people are hungry for what they're, they're coming here and they're finding something that they're hungry for and they're finding something that they need and something that they feel missing in their lives. When we can gather with other people during the week, it makes the load of whatever we're going through easier to get by and, and to get through it and to be around others who kind of get you. Getting swept up in anything with Jesus makes it all worthwhile. You know, we all have in common that there is that bit of brokenness that we do have. You know, so the solution that uh, I've found um, is is through faith. You know, it is the grace that I was given and the faith that I've uh, been able to foster, build uh, in my relationship with Christ. And vintage is, uh, you know, it's like the 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 house where all that's is, that's happened, all that's taking place. It reminds me of a quote that Winston Churchill said that like our. Like, we shape our buildings, and then they shape us. A hundred years of this church shaping people in Los Angeles has had an effect. People walk into Vintage Church, and they're renewed. Like, there is, there is something beautiful about this campus, and the legacy that it represents, and the legacies that it will represent for years to come. And I deeply believe that if we can shape individuals here at Vintage Church, um, in a way that looks more like Jesus, we can shape Los Angeles. This building has played an important role since it was built in 1950 of helping people discover Jesus for the first time. I look at the whole city, I think there's millions of people we have to invite to explore Jesus. And so we just have to expand capacity as much as we can, knowing there's a hunger to do that as well. Isn't it incredible to hear all the stories of what God's doing in our church? I'm so excited to see and hear the tangible fruit of the kingdom 
going on in our church. And so we're calling this time a time of renewal. God is renewing us for the sake of renewing our city. And every now and again, you get these moments where you go, we need to pause and actually see what God's doing and join with him. And we feel this is a particular season to join with God in expanding our capacity to expand what he's doing, that we can actually cater for more kids and youth, more ministry, bigger alpha courses, uh, overflow spaces for Sunday. There's so much more that we want to do. and We've got the room for it, but we need to expand into it. And so we're about to embark on a project to make the most of the buildings that we have to expand capacity for what God's doing. We're going to begin with the sanctuary here. We're going to begin by upgrading it and renovating it and also putting in climate control, better sounds and visual equipment. We're then going to double ministry space just in the courtyard, just in the hall and the building right next door. We want to get the offices out so we can prioritize mission, prioritize ministry for Alpha, for Bible study, for college ministry, for missions, for kids and youth. We want to double our ministry space right next door. And that means we have to relocate our offices, but we're going to do that and put the offices in the building across the alley, create a ministry center there just to move offices and actually create more space for classrooms, for trainings, uh, for uh, midweek events. So God's on the move. It's going to cost about seven and a half million to do all of this, but we're so excited about joining God in this moment. And we want to invite you into this journey with us, together as a family, to look at how can we make this happen. Specifically, we're asking everyone to pray about what part they want to play in this financially. On March 26th, we're all going to come and give a pledge. A financial pledge of playing our part in the story of this time of renewal. That pledge is pretty straightforward. We're going to see, hey, each of us, what is our pledge over 24 months? So it's not like right now, but it's got over 24 months. What are you calling me to invest? That's kind of three calendar years if you want to spread it out that way. But on March 26th, we're all going to come and in worship and as we celebrate what God's doing, we're also going to worship him with this pledge and say, count me in. I want to play my part in what you're doing to renew this church, to renew our city. So join us. Join us in joining God to see our capacities expanded for all that he's doing to renew our city. Many of you don't realize that we have this building across the alley. Uh, We have a map here of our campus, which is completely unused. And with the fruitfulness Following a season of pruning, we feel that this is the time to go, God, we need to get ready. More fruit's coming, and we have such an important mission for our city that we need to get ready and restore some of the building because this is a 1950s building, and so there's some electrical stuff, some roof stuff, there's some all sorts of stuff. I did, about a year ago, uh, during the service, I plugged a kettle behind stage, and all the lights went out everywhere. Because we have 1950s infrastructure that we need to renew, that this is another 70 years of ministry. But we also want to expand. We want to cater for the fruitfulness that God has us involved in. So we're asking you to join us on that journey as well. Because I'm always cautious, you know me, I'm always cautious because I was kind of triggered by 
growing up in an overly aggressive financial kind of church, um, it always triggers me that I don't want anyone to ever feel pressured. So what I'm going to invite you on a journey then is by invitation. You won't hear it much on Sunday. We want to look at who God is calling us to be on Sunday. But I'm going to ask you to join this other track. And the way to join us in this other track is a few things. First of all, I'd love you to get the booklet out and take that home and read that and just read it through. Secondly, we have a devotional online that we can all kind of go on this discipleship journey together. And then thirdly, I want to invite you to a midweek meeting because you've got questions. What is it going to look like? How's that going to work? I already had some people in the break just go, hey, what about this? What about that? I go, great questions. And Sundays are not going to be that because we want to gather the whole family, whether you've been here a day or 10 years, to one of our socials. And you see on the way out an invitation to that. We tried to divide the church into homes and do it in homes, but then we thought, we don't have enough space for that. So if you're going to one of those home meetings, you don't need to come to this, but most of us will be coming to this. And I just ask, come to that, because that's where you'll just hear. You won't be asked to give at that event. It's a social, my wife and I will host that and explain a bit more so that you can then finally pray about a pledge. A pledge means not what I have in my wallet right now, because that's underwhelming in my case. But over 24 months, God, what are you asking me to give? That's over what we normally would give, and then over 24 months. So do please pray about that. Now, seven and a half million is a big figure, um, because there's a lot of infrastructure and a lot of work to do to expand capacity. And... I've been praying about that and going, Lord, oh my word, how are we going to do this? But he gave me a picture, which is a very obvious picture because it's in our building here. It's a picture of the rose window. Put that up on the slide here, which is back there, uh, upstairs there. And it's a sign that for this beautiful stained glass mosaic window, it takes every piece, but the pieces are different sizes. But every piece matters. And you may be here thinking, man, I've only got, I could pledge 20 bucks. Great. It's about joining in. It's about being part of this journey together. Some of you can go, I can pledge a lot more than that. Great. It's not about your one is more significant than the other. I think in many ways, we all have five loaves and two fish. And we go, hey God, this is all I have to, I can give and pledge. And then all of that comes together to make this beautiful picture, this beautiful mosaic, because we all play our part. So some of you are like big tiles, which is great. You can give a lot. Some of you, it's a lot for you, but it's a small tile. But every piece matters. What's exciting is before we kind of came to today, we did ask our, our board and also some people who had already said, we want to kind of get a head start so that people feel that we've got momentum. And so just these few people are, a few of them were big tile people. And we come today with seven and a half million, and we've already raised three million as we move into this next season. Now, we could go one of two directions with that and go, hey, you don't need me. Um, I would say, like, there may be some more big tiles we need, them, but they're like the big tile people of our church. And they want to say, hey, we're in. 
and we need every size of tile now to make up the rest. Now, there may be more big tiles, and we need those too. I think it's whatever you're going to pray about to say, God, count me in. I love what you're doing here. I love that you called me for such a time as this to be in Los Angeles. I love that you're renewing us to be Jesus in this city. And I want to be a part of making space for our city. Not just in my generation, but for generations to come to see this building be a lighthouse of the gospel across all of LA. This is the call. And Lizzie and I are here for good because we feel God's rooted us here. And we feel this is what God's called us to invest our life in, to renew our church, to expand this place for the renewal of our city. So join us over the next six weeks as we go on this journey together. Let's stand. I'd love you to close your eyes. And I'm always conscious of this. I'm going to say again, this isn't, there is no pressure. This is an invitation. And if you want to come just on Sundays and just, amazing. Join us in what it means to be a renewed community for this city. But Lord, we pray also that you'd invite us into making it possible in our five loaves and two fish. And so, Lord, but all of this is because you are here. Your presence is with us. And so now as we worship you, Jesus, let your presence fill this space, fill our lives. Because as Moses said, we're not going anywhere without your presence. But we sense you leading us, and we will follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's worship together. Our prayer team are down here as well. Come forward for prayer. We'd love to pray for you. Thanks for joining us for another week. We'd love to connect with you at one of our gatherings or online at vintagechurchla.com.